Cool, 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 cool. No doubt, no doubt, no cool, doubt. Cool, 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 cool. Well, this is going to be, uh, if you thought our previous episodes weren't chill, this is going to be the chillest episode because uh, Lauren is out. She's at a formal at school tonight, so she's out partying. Ooh, a formal. Uh, doing whatever it is they do at, at formals here. Uh, have I told you about formals here? Is that a thing no. we've talked about on this podcast? So the school that Lauren's going to is split up into like 12 colleges, I think. Okay. Uh, basically like like Hogwarts houses, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, but, but there's 12 of them, and they all do various like formal events throughout the year, some of which involve the Harry Potter robes, like the actual like gown and everything, some of which are just like, oh, well, I'll dress up and go party. This is one of those. Okay. But we went to one of the colleges is literally in the castle at Durham. Oh, this is uh, the one you put on Instagram. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is, if you watch the first few like Harry Potter movies, that is the castle that they use as like the base reference for a lot of the outdoor scenes. Like that's one of the Hogwarts castles. Um, but there, I mean, it's, it's a composite of a bunch of different castles, but that's like one of them, yeah. right? And the student housing is literally in the castle. That's so, so they, insane to me. It's nuts. It's crazy. And they all like, I, Lauren wanted to like, was thinking about applying to that college. Cause she had to pick a college, even though we live off campus. I'm a little thankful that she didn't because you could really tell who the people who were that lived in the castle because they were like, you know, they carry themselves with the air of like, I live in the castle and I'm better than you and I know it. Here's my tuxedo with a cape for no reason. Oh Uh, my God. Yeah. Like I bought a whole new fucking suit for this, this event. uh, And I was like easily the like least fancy person there, but like by a country mile. Uh, But no, so they had this, this ball, this literal ball in the castle where they had various rooms with events going on and, you know, choirs performing and live music and a dj somewhere else and like you know an underground bar and a a gin bar and a gallery next to some like 500 year old artifact and it was just like oh this is like this is a completely different world huh brits know how to party (laughs) yeah so anyway so lauren's at one of those right now probably not that fancy but pretty fancy and it was one that she couldn't bring a guest to so Pepper and I are at home. We're on the couch. Uh, been oh, you've been Smash. left out. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it it really means that I get to let my hair down. You know, I get to kind of just let it all hang out. Been uh, been playing Smash on my new projector. That's been fun. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm like literally I'm recording while reclined on my couch, just kind of reading the the notes here. <laughs> so if I if I sound more relaxed than usual, it's it's because I am. Wait, is your computer hooked up to the projector? Uh, not right now, no, but it's got okay. an HDMI Because I was going to laugh if you just had our Google Docs uh, thing, our show notes just taking up your entire wall. Oh, God. God, no, no. I did, uh, I will say I did watch Yu-Gi-Oh! on the projector earlier, and bigger Yu-Gi-Oh! does not necessarily mean better Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Well, I had the exact was, uh... opposite experience because my computer right now is not connecting to the internet. Yeah, had, we have like a janky recording setup this week. Yeah, I'm uh, recording on my computer, 
uh, talking to you through my phone, which is just taped to my books here. Uh, you're hanging off of Dune Messiah right now. Oh, good. Good choice. Couldn't even pick one of the good Dune books, huh? <laughs> uh, I've never read yeah, Dune Messiah. I don't know. It's the like second book in the series, so I assume it's good. I haven't read okay. it yet. But so so wait so did you watch Yu Gi Oh on your phone then? Is that I did you watch Yu Gi Oh on my phone in? and took notes in Microsoft Word on my computer. How was that? Uh, it was about the same, except it was a lot more obnoxious trying to pause it so I could take notes. Oh yeah, I'd have to reach over and tap the screen twice. Oh, to keep it from going to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, okay, so we're so we're both sort of overcoming some sort of adversity today. Yeah. You know, the, the sacrifices the we is, make for the show, really. Yeah. We're, we're doing our best here, damn it. As I recline on my couch. <laughs> <laughs> Dog in my lap. You've sacrificed so much. Yeah, yeah. I, I was drinking a beer. Jimmy, do you, tell me, do you like flannel in your beer? Excuse me, What? Do you just, you know, flannel? Do you like it in your beer? Do you typically have a flannelly beer, would you say? I have no idea what that means. Because well, it sounds you know, like you're taking pajamas and like putting them through a shredder and then so your beer has like particles of fabric floating around in it. Well, Jimmy, you know, warms you, you up like from the inside. In if you don't like flannel in your beer, I, I do have some good news for you. This beer that I've just finished is all flavor, no flannel. Uh, it's a double maxim premium brown ale. Literally nothing explains what they mean by flannel here. I don't know if that's a, if that's just a, a, a Britishism or, or what, but it's just proudly there. That's basically the entire label is all flavor, no flannel. And I'm happy to announce there was no flannel in it. Well, that's good for you, I guess. I don't want my beer to have flannel in it. Yeah, it seems like a like a base requirement of beer should be like no pajamas. <laughs> it, the, this it, bottle contains zero percent pajamas. Beer, it's a beverage. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, should we talk about some Yu-Gi-Oh today? Uh, yeah, hold on. I'm looking up flannel British. <laughs> yeah i haven't looked it up yet i just it's an okay beer it's not my favorite i've been it's going just bringing through the, up more the... fabric maybe it's british <laughs> slang <laughs> it could be maybe it's rhyming slang flannel a soft cloth usually made from cotton or wool uh mm-hmm. piece of cloth uk a yep. face cloth this is all okay Okay, this might be it. UK informal. Speech containing a lot of words that is used to avoid telling the truth or answering a question and is often intended to deceive. So like bullshit. So it's like, yeah, like they're saying all beer, no bullshit. Why didn't they just say that? Because you can't write bullshit on a beer, I guess. (laughs) I mean, we basically do in the States all the time. Yeah. (laughs) That's, That's like... That's like the core of Mike's Hard Lemonade's marketing strategy. Yeah. So I don't know. My immediately, my first thought was, so kids don't see it, but kids can drink in the UK. So I don't know what the hell they're going God, for. Don't, 
don't fucking get me started. Ugh. These youths. I went out. I went out with some friends. Uh, this would have been before our last show. I don't know if I talked about it at all. Uh, somebody, you know, just invited me out. It was just gonna be like three of us, kind of going out for pints. One of them. Uh, this this should just. I mean. I should learn my lesson. Like don't agree to go out to pints. Don't n- never agree to go to a second location with a Scotsman, <laughs> uh, uh, a Glaswegian, I should say. Um, because he then brought six people, something like that, five or six people. And so we all had pints at one place. The lads. And then, and then they, they arrived after my first pint. So I had a second pint that place. We moved to a different location and had several pints there uh, while it was actively snowing outside. So we're like, and there was no room inside. So we're standing out in the snow drinking pints. Of course. Um, and I'm and I'm seeing these people go in. It was like a Friday night. And they're like going out is like a thing here. Like people will just go out for pints and like go bar hopping. as like a weekly sort of ritual. Uh, and like, man, I know the drinking age here is 18, but damn some of these people look younger it was i am just children i I have literally never felt so old as i have seeing like this just drunk child at the bar man i think i don't think like me now could drink that many pints but if you have like young teenage kids going out for pints just but damn they just get sloshed instantly well, and that's and that's sort of the thing. So that's what was explained to me is like that's why it's such a big thing of going out and like people drinking so much is they just do it starting way younger here, so they build up that sort of tolerance. Which I was afraid I wouldn't have. I I'm proud to say that I kept up. Uh, no, I'm proud of you. Up until I went home, and then they kept going, I guess, and ended up doing tequila shots at a Weatherspoons, and I'm not really sure how that worked out. But anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Um, sounds like a disaster. Why are we talking about this? I was talking about my beer. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> should we talk about Yu-Gi-Oh! Finally, <laughs> yeah. What time is okay. it? Okay. Your move. It's time to podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to You Activated My Podcast, the weekly Yu-Gi-Oh! Recap podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Jimmy. And this week, we are talking about Season 1, Episode 38, uh, Yugi vs. Pegasus, Duel of the Millennium, Part 4 of 5, blah, blah, blah. Jimmy, do you want to know the actual title for this week's episode? Yes, please tell me the good title in Japanese. This is the translated Japanese title. This week's title is The Evil Eye Activates Sacrifice. Ooh, spooky. It's The Evil Eye Activates Hyphen sacrifice so does sacrifice have like an exclamation point or anything or is it just sacrifice that's the no there's just there's just a there's just sort of a sort of an m dash between activates and sacrifice so it's like it's it's like the evil eye is activating sacrifice sacrifice is the thing being activated here well as we see in the episode that does happen so (laughs) i activate sacrifice (laughs) i mean kind of yeah actually um yeah i i actually i felt really good about this episode uh i got to watch it up on the big screen as i said before the intro and everything uh and it was 
like I don't think necessarily watching it on a bigger screen makes it better, but it was cool to to see this episode sort of in as close to theatrical quality as I'm gonna get. Yeah, it's bigger than usual. Yeah, it's big Yugi compared uh, to little Yugi, <laughs> which we'll get into in a minute. But yeah, uh, before before we get into the show, Jimmy, as we do every week, we like to recommend something to our listeners that they can do with their 20 minutes other than watching Yu Gi Oh because we value their time even if they don't. What is your recommendation this week? Uh, my recommendation this week is to go uh, find the comic book series Saga and read it. I have just Ooh. read the first two in the series, and mm-hmm. it's really good. Um, what I like about it is, um, number one, it's funny as hell. Number two, you don't need, it's not like a series that you need to have read. It's not like Batman or something where you have to have read all of the previous uh comics in the series to understand what's going on because it's just its own self-contained thing Mm, okay so it's like a is it like a is it like a short run like graphic series like graphic novel series or is it like a comic book book? it's um it's a story of this crazy this universe that has like space travel and magic and all these weird creatures and stuff and two uh people from these warring factions that have consumed the entire galaxy uh, coming together and making a baby, this forbidden love child uh, between these two different cultures that are like locked in this galactic proxy war with each other and how it affects um, them and the universe and all the bad people that are coming after them to, to stop them. And it's, uh, it's hilarious uh, the art's amazing. Uh, it's really funny. Yeah, I really like it. And I'm only on book three. So that's my recommendation. Read Saga. That's awesome. Go, yeah, the, go Saga, to your local library. Saga's been on my list for a bit, and it's been one of those books where, like, I've been almost intimidated to start it, you know, because so many people recommend it and everyone's like, oh my God, it's, it's amazing. It's like game changing and, and, you know, all these sort of like lofty things, which yeah makes me kind of not want to read it. Cause like, oh God, what if I don't like it? What if you don't like it and it doesn't live up but, to this, these breathless superlatives. Right. But this is the, literally the first time that somebody has said that Saga is funny, which makes me actually want to read it. Cause it, it sounds like it's maybe more approachable than I thought it was. Oh yeah, it's not like an epic thing. It's it's funny as hell, and it uses a lot of like cuss words and dick jokes and stuff like that. Well, so if that's what you're into, say no more. That's that's <laughs> you got me. <laughs> that sounds Nailed right it. up your alley. <laughs> dick jokes. Say no more. But no, I uh, I got into it because I, I didn't even go like seek it out. I was just at my friend's place uh, playing with their kitten and like a foot next to me, uh, she had the entire series and I asked if I could borrow it and I could. And so, yeah, I read like two books in the last four hours. So Damn. it's good. That's awesome. Uh, for those who maybe don't have a, a copy, like a physical copy that they can get to, I do want to bring up. I think this was a recommendation like four months ago or so, but the app called Hoopla, H-O-O-P-L-A. Hoopla! Uh, is really cool. It's, you can... Hoopla! Um, <laughs> sounds like a lot of... Hoopla! Uh, thank you. 
uh, you, you can essentially put in your library card information and it gives you access to uh, your local library's collection of digital products, which actually a lot of libraries in the States have more of than I expected. Uh, and that includes comic books. So typically, you know, if they have access to a physical comic book, they'll have like 10 or so copies of that comic book digitally uh, that they can sort of loan out at a time. So you can nice. actually check out comic books on your phone or your iPad or your computer or whatever uh, and, and you know, sort of get it that way. Um, I think it works for some e-readers as well. So now that like the Kindle's getting lower in price, that, that becomes more accessible. So if you're in a location where you can like, get to a library every now and then, but not as often as you would want or, or like whatever. And you have a smartphone, totally recommend doing that. Uh, and I believe at least last I checked, uh, the Portland library saga should be available. Oh, cool. So that's the way to do it. It's hilarious to me that you're checking out Portland library books from across the planet. I know. Yeah. I literally, I live across from a library that I've been to like once and I'd keep just checking out books from the Portland library. <laughs> <laughs> What's your recommendation this week? My recommendation this week, you know, I've been thinking about uh, language a lot lately because even though, like, yes, they speak English here, there is often a language barrier. Uh, I've been thinking about insults a lot. Like just a minute ago when we were talking about flannel for like three minutes. Yes, exactly. Exactly like that. It's got me thinking a lot about, like, if I wanted to insult someone in a way that sounded authentic to the area, how would I do it? And and I've realized that it's just a lot of nonsense words. Like really that's all that's all an insult really is anymore is just like calling somebody a set of words that they'll have to think about the meaning of for a while. So I could say something like, you bonce headed numbie and like that doesn't mean anything. But you're Tyler, gonna be like, you damn, flannel mouth, you fucking flannel mouth. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, I just, I, I feel like really the world needs more of these somehow because they're like friendly insults, if that makes sense. These sort of nonsense nothings. Uh, these, these, uh, these potted uh, pomper swaps. <laughs> just British banter insults. Where they're not really yeah. insulting Lou. It's just, it's just uh, they're just having a go. Yeah, something like that. Uh, you having a go? I literally, I we were on the train yesterday, and uh, there were these two high schoolers across from us that were just talking back and forth about something. I some they were talking about like one of them wanted to date somebody that was dating somebody else. And the other like didn't think that like she was in his friend's league or uh, like whatever. And they were just like, oh, you want to fight? You want to take it outside? All right, mate, I'll take you outside. Oh, hey, oh. And, and it like descended into just these like guttural utterances that made no <laughs> sense. And I think maybe that's kind of what sparked this idea in me is just these like nonsense sounds. But you could kind of tell from the inflection like they're calling each other names that should mean something. Um, I really, I don't know. Yeah. Like I want to bring that back to the States in a way. Cause I, cause I feel like maybe we had that at one point. Like I think in the nineties, that was a thing. Uh, but not, not really anymore. There aren't really those like made up slang insults anymore. Uh, yeah. at least that I'm aware of. 
maybe on Tumblr or something, what's left of Tumblr there are. Um, the remnants. Yeah. So the next time you see your friend, call him a, a, a made up insult. Yeah. It's like uh, yo mama jokes. You know, when you, when you tell oh, your God, friends yes. yo mama jokes, you're not actually insulting their mother. I've met my friend's mothers and they're very nice ladies where yeah. uh, we're describing an imaginary er mother that is just so terrible in all these different ways that it's funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the er yo mama. <laughs> I always weirdly pictured Tyler Perry's Medea <laughs> as like the as like the mama to end all mamas. That works. That does, yeah, it kind of works, right? Like, yo mother. mama's so fat she jump and got stuck. Yo mama's so fat she was swimming in the ocean and Spain claimed her for the New World. I've never heard that one. <laughs> Tyler, yo mama's so fat, she was walking in the middle of the street, so I swerved my car to miss her and I ran out of gas. <laughs> That's how fat yo mama is. Uh, man, now I gotta remember yo mama jokes. I gotta keep up. Uh... uh... Yeah, I forgot. The only one I can think of is like, yo mama's so slow, this is how she counts her money. One, another one, another one, another one. <laughs> that doesn't even make much yeah. sense. No, it doesn't. That's just the only one that comes to mind. <laughs> uh, anyway. So that's my recommendation this week is insult your friends. All right. I, I'll try to think of something rude to call you. Uh, oh, okay. But Thanks. I in other it. news, we have news. It's time for news. Once again, you're going to have to talk about it because I don't have internet on my computer, so I can't click on the link. Oh, no. Okay, well, let me pull it up. Give me the broad strokes here. Uh, but the basic uh, gist of it is that uh, they're making a new Yu-Gi-Oh! game for the Nintendo Switch. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, and it yeah, sounds this like is it's a... going to be a different format than Dual Links. It's kind of a return yes. to older, uh, I don't know, Yu-Gi-Oh! video game dueling strategies. Yeah, so the, the article that you sent me is from comicbook.com. Uh, literally, I think, the only source for Yu-Gi-Oh! news anymore. Because this podcast sharing it. Uh, it's an article by Tyler Fisher on the 8th of February uh, that says, uh, yeah, they've got a new uh, game announced for the Switch called Yu-Gi-Oh! Legacy of the Duelist Link Evolution. Um, there's a lot of punctuation happening in that title, but it's Yu-Gi-Oh! exclamation mark, Legacy of the Duelist colon Link Evolution. Uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting because it's a... Digital game, so everyone, I think, kind of expected it to be like Duel Links, but they've announced that they're going to use what they're calling new master rules, which are the latest rules that are implemented for the official Yu-Gi-Oh! card game. Uh, so it's it's ditching the Duel Links format, the, the Speed Duels format that just came out, and it's going back to just the Link format, which is uh, what you'd get if you were to download the... Oh, I'm gonna forget it now. But there's a there's another Yu-Gi-Oh phone app that's like Ultimate Duel Champions or something, and that's the format that it uses. So it's hmm. uh, larger decks, um, different like cards that are available. I think it's closer to Magic, where there's certain seasons of cards that are like legal to play. Um, 
and uh, more life points, I believe. I, th- I think it's, uh, I'm going to forget now, but I, or maybe it's less life points. I don't honestly remember, but it's, if you've played it's Yu-Gi-Oh! The card game, it's different life points than Duel Links. So if you've played Yu-Gi-Oh! The physical card game, this game should be more familiar for you. Um, and this, this article does a really good job of saying essentially like if, you don't like the meta of dual links, which it sounds like a lot of people kind of don't because the, 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 the meta game structure of dual links is very like combo heavy. You kind of have to build a very specific deck that does one thing and that's its only thing. Um, you can't build like an all around decent deck. You have to specialize in something. Right. But, and while that might sound like a bad thing, like for people like us who are used to playing magic, the gathering, like, it sounds like you would get shoehorned in the game allowed you to do things that were like, well, my one thing is that I have a never ending loop of, I draw a card that on drawing, it lets me draw another card. And when I draw that card, it summons a thing. And when I summon the thing, it abandishes a thing. And like, you sort of does this loop where you can have a one turn game in which 50 cards have been played because that's just like, that's this deck. That's just how it works. Hmm. Yeah, it's so so there are lots of like weird things there, and that's probably a bad example. Uh, I I've played a dual links deck right or a a match rather where I lost in like turn one because somebody summoned uh, Blue Eyes Ultimate Dragon just on their first turn and like had a thing that let it obliterate. Like I couldn't even play a card by the time it beat me, uh, which was not fun. Surprisingly, that doesn't sound like a a fun game mechanic. For the other person. No, so, yeah, so so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hopeful for this. I, it's not clear, like, what they're going to do multiplayer mode. It sounds like there will definitely be some online play. Um, but there is going to be a draft mode, which sounds really interesting. I don't know if that's part oh, of the neat. online play or not, but playing a draft in a Yu-Gi-Oh game, I think would be really cool, even if it's just against uh, AI players, because uh, that way... You know, for those of you who haven't played like a draft before, it's essentially you get a bunch of booster packs, you know, those little uh, blister packs with like five cards in them. You open up the pack, you take one of the cards, keep it to yourself, and then you hand the rest to the person on your left. And then everyone at the table is doing that. So you're constantly getting past these just like random hands of cards and you pick one and sort of slowly build your deck out of those. Yeah, Uh, you have to build a deck out of cards that you've never seen before. Basically, Yeah. You can't like uh, sit and plan out uh, what your deck is going to look like. You just have to get all the best ones that you can. Totally, yeah. And if I mean, if you're somebody like me who like knows basically how to play a card game, but doesn't really want to shell out the money to buy the cards, drafts are a really cool way to kind of get involved with the local gaming scene because you can go and like you know buy. Uh, typically, it's like what like fifteen twenty bucks for a draft. Yeah. Um, and you get to keep the cards. Uh, you, you you draft a deck for yourself. You play a couple of rounds. If you're like me, you lose in the first one, but you hang out anyway. Uh, and then you get to keep the cards. And that's just like, oh, now I have more cards. Cool. Yep. So does it say uh, when uh, Legal- Legacy of the Duelist Link Evolution is going to come out? Or is it just... Were you, were you going to say Yu-Gi-Oh! Legolas of Destiny? <laughs> Legolas when is Legolas of Destiny coming out? Uh it 
doesn't say for certain. Let me see here. Uh, oh, sorry. One last detail before we get into that. The other important thing that I, I just want to point out here that I'm really happy about is that it's they've announced that cards and packs are not going to be locked behind paywalls, which is one of the like hardest barriers to entry to Yu-Gi-Oh! digital games of like, oh, it's a digital game. Cool. I don't have to like buy cards separately. Oh, wait, I do. Uh the cool thing about having a game like this, where it's a console game, like they, they have a storyline for you and everything, uh, they are not making you pay for more cards. That's just going to be you don't have you to go out and play. pay for imaginary digital cards. You can actually yeah, just exactly. sit down and play the game. Uh, let's see. Okay, so it says. It doesn't have a release date, but it does say that there's going to be more information published in the April issue of V-Jump, which is scheduled to publish uh, on the 21st. So it'll be uh, next week by the time this publishes. Um, So we'll know more, I mean, hopefully by the next episode or maybe episode after that. My hope, just kind of based on the amount of information they have here, is like we're maybe looking at a summer release. Hmm. Um maybe winter at the latest i can't imagine they would like say this much detail about the game and then wait like a year to release it i mean it's it's a Yu-Gi-Oh game it's not going to take them that long to produce yeah they already have 90 percent of the assets it's just jpegs yeah exactly exactly uh you know Yu-Gi-Oh the 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 engine i guess has been written for a long time it's just graphics and, and and story mode and so on that they've got a program in yeah you don't need uh like years of experience in unity to make a a new Yu-Gi-Oh game you already know how Yu-Gi-Oh works exactly exactly have i talked about this before there's like a yugi uh there's a Yu-Gi-Oh open source game out there is this the vr one that you were talking about or is this different well it's similar. I think the VR one uses some of the code from this. Let me Google it again so I don't get the um, uh, the name wrong. Yeah, so for those of you who are, who are interested in, like, what goes into making a, a Yu-Gi-Oh game, if you go to, if you look up YGO Pro, uh, so, like, Yu-Gi-Oh Pro, uh, it's a community compilation of... Uh, people who are making an open source Yu-Gi-Oh game. Uh, and there's a lot of like really detailed work going into it. Like they have huge giant spreadsheets of like the cards and their effects and kind of how everything works. So basically if you wanted to, you could just plug in your pictures, which you can download from a, a different source and have a fully working online multiplayer ready Yu-Gi-Oh game. Or you can then go and hack it and be like, okay, I only want, you know, Arc V, right? And I want to make like a storyline or uh, I only want Vrain's cards or things like that. Um, And it's also powering a lot of other projects like that VR one that uh, you mentioned that we talked about a long ass time ago. Uh, There's another one that I just found a Yu-Gi-Oh video for or a a YouTube video for a YouTube video for Uh, YGO Pro. I guess released a video for an open source dual disc as well. Like they're 3d printing dual discs that hook up with certain VR technology. Oh damn. Uh, like the hollow lens and shit. 
So like that stuff really gets me excited too. Cause that's purely fan built. Like they're really not making any money off of it. Um, but they just, they know that the system of Yu-Gi-Oh is sort of set in stone and they just want to kind of have fun with it now. Right. Mm-hmm. So that sort of thing is really cool too, but I'm, I'm probably going to be picking up this game for the switch. I'm excited for that. All right. Well, when it comes out, we'll have a, a review ready for you guys. Yee. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, should we talk about the, the episode now? Let's talk about the episode. It's time to discuss the episode. Jimmy, as we mentioned, this week we are covering Season 1, Episode 38, The Evil Eye Activates Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Uh, as we do with most episodes, this episode started with a recap. How do you feel about recaps. this one? This a lot recap was dumb. It was a lot of just, like, reactions. Yeah. Like, someone would say something and then someone would repeat it. Yeah, I was kind of bummed. Like, the last few recaps we mentioned, uh, I feel like the last, like, three weeks we've been like, damn, these recaps are on point. Like, these are great. These are better versions of the episodes than the actual episodes. But this one's like... Mind shuffle. Mind shuffle? I need a new host. A new host? Millennium puzzle. My puzzle? My puzzle? (laughs) Hey. Uh, Yeah, it just... It was a lot of, like... It might as well have been one of those reaction shots where they do, like, this split screen of everyone going... (gasps) But they could have just been saying different bullshit, and it would have been the same, right? Mind shuffle in my puzzle? It's more likely than you think. <laughs> Sometimes I think about like if somebody is coming to the show, like if this is somebody's first episode, is the recap going to help them at all? And I think in this case, the recap might just make them change the channel. <laughs> there is no helpful information in this uh, recap. So maybe we should do our own recap of the last episode just real quick. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, we... <laughs> We make this show, and that recap wasn't helpful for me. Uh, Jimmy, what happened previously on Yu-Gi-Oh? Yugi and Pegasus are dueling, and Yugi uh, came up with a technique where he and the Pharaoh just switch minds every so often to prevent... Because Pegasus Pegasus is reading their mind. Yeah, and seeing what the cards they have. And so Mm -hmm. if they swap in and out each turn, uh, he'll only... He won't be able to see what cards they have because the cards oh, that yeah, they Yugi's, play will Yugi's be the last Yugi's two people. Time. Yeah. Yugi's two people. <laughs> that should also be clarified. It's very important. You, you remember, you know how this show, this show had just the one boy? There's two boys now. There's two boys in there. You he's see, he's two wearing, boys in him. he's wearing a magic pyramid that has a spirit that possesses him. That so merges two, with him. Yeah. There's two guys. And now, yeah, now they're switching back and forth. Uh, then what, <laughs> what happens? Uh, Pegasus, the bad guy who can read minds, uh, somehow transports them to the shadow realm. Another dimension. Another, which is a different dimension that we've seen before where things are shadowy. A dark and spooky dimension, as is mentioned many and, times in this episode. How spooky it is. And and magic happens there. Magic is real, also. 
Boy, everything we in this episode we have to like explain at length to anyone who's never seen the show before, and it makes no goddamn sense. Yeah, like we we reached a weirdly insular point where like to explain anything that happens, we kind of have to go back four or five steps, and then that just kind of goes off on its own branching path of ex- uh, explanation. Oh, um, by the way, the entire world loves mm-hmm. one card game. <laughs> oh yeah, there's only one game, uh, and Pegasus made it. You know the and mind Pegasus made guy. it, but it's also based on an ancient cult where magic and monsters are real. Uh huh. And the only other person who knows that up up until now is this uh, albino British kid named Bakura. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> who is also British two kid boys with like a fake Japanese name. Uh, who also is very good at the card game that the mind-reading guy made. And he also has a magical doohickey with another guy in it. <laughs> There's Just two like boys in him, too. <laughs> We've got a four-boy stack over here. <laughs> um, Oops, all boys. Now you, know who doesn't, you know who doesn't have two boys in him is Mokuba. No, he's Mokuba, gonna, Mokuba is the boy that him. has no boys in him. <laughs> Right now. <laughs> Bakura wants to put his boy in him. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> his metaphor has gone too far. God, let's just do the episode. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, when we left off, Pegasus was uh, bringing the arena into the Shadow Realm where uh, he will have more sort of power or something. Yeah. Um, but this episode doesn't open on that. This episode opens on the dungeons beneath Castle Pegasus. Yeah. Um, and, and we're left off right where uh, Bakura is threatening Tristan, who is holding the lifeless body of Mokuba. And we're going to switch up their names so many times this episode since they're next to each other. <laughs> we literally... I don't, I don't think there has been an episode with either Bakura or Mokuba where we get their names right like 100% of the time. Like there's always going to be one where we get them switched. But Bakura yeah. is the bad one. Mokuba is the soulless one. The the soulless child. The zero yes. boy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, sorry, just brief tangent. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts that are trying to make sense of the Kingdom Hearts storyline. And I think oh. weirdly doing this podcast prepared me for that because it's like a similar level of ridiculousness, maybe on par with Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, it's frightening and it made no sense in the first Kingdom Hearts. Uh, I have no idea what the hell has been going on since then. But if you need like hour long YouTube videos to explain it all, uh, that's kind of a mess. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So that that's kind of what this feels like. But anyway, so Bakura uh is is essentially threatening Tristan, right? Because Tristan yeah. has Mokuba kind of slung over his shoulder, like fireman carry style. Uh and he I didn't write down the line, but he threatens to conjure something that will consume Tristan's soul. Yeah, he's threatening him with uh cards as he just used to take out all those guards that were chasing them. Oh yeah, that happened in the last episode too. Uh, the yeah, the playing cards that Bakura is carrying, he can use 
to summon real life monsters and spells. Ah, uh, real monsters. Y- yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, he's he's sort of doing all this, and Tristan kind of turns to him and goes, "Yeah, I I know what your whole deal is. Like, you get your dark power from the Millennium Ring that you have around your neck." And yeah, uh, he's staring a, at the Millennium Ring as it's this like magic artifact is like wiggling around of its own accord. And he says, mm-hmm. I remember your evil power comes from that. And it's like he's explaining to Bakura where his power comes from. That's pretty par for the course with everyone in the show is explaining to themselves and each other what is going on. Yeah. And we're at a point now where like. Tristan and Taya and Joey, who previously were just like magic deniers, all suddenly have a full understanding of what magic is and how it works. Yeah, they just accept it. Just out, yeah, and and they they just they get it naturally, just out of, out of literally thin air. Uh, but so Tristan is like, yeah, okay, I get it. You have magic powers. I give up. You got me, and he. Things <laughs> handing Mokuba over to Bakura. He like goes to hand him over, but psychs him out and like does a little like double, like a like a it's like a hockey he, move, right? Like he, he freaking chucks he, Mokuba he to Deke. He chucks Mokuba at Bakura. He yeets yeah, he that kid. <laughs> Yeet that lifeless and, body. Uh... <laughs> So Bakura tries to grab Mokuba out of the air, and then Tristan runs forward. <laughs> it's it's my favorite vine. Here, hold this Mokuba. This ship's empty. Yeet! <laughs> <laughs> he is empty. He is. Poor Mokuba. Um, <laughs> and but then yeah, Tristan so- fucking karate chops Bakura and knocks him out so in good. one hit. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a, it, it's like a splinter cell takedown. He yeah, disarms I don't know him what, and knocks him out. I don't know what the hell he does because it's like an upward karate chop slice as Bakura is falling forward, which mm-hmm. just and they, knocks him out instantly. And they don't animate it fully either. It's like a couple of frames. Yeah, it's just a freeze frame and Bakura is moving forward in the foreground in slow motion. I, but he, like, one I punch have... knocks out uh, Mokuba. I mean, Bakura. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. God, we're doing Yo, it yeah. already. Mok- Mokuba doesn't need to be knocked out. He's already out. I <laughs> I have a theory about this, Jimmy, that I, that I want to posit to you. Lay it on me. Tristan. Tristan has always been magic. He's just unaware of his powers? Mm, or is he just keeping it secret? Tristan has fists that are sharp. (laughs) Old sharp fists. Good old sharp fist. So exhibit one, this, where he punches a necklace in two, basically, because he somehow uses a punch to disconnect uh, the millennium ring from Bakura's neck. Yeah, his Uh, karate chop, like, breaks the necklace part, holding it onto him. And knocks him out. Yeah, all in one. So so that's, you know, it's sort of a magical force uh, uh, punch, right? Exhibit two, you remember when they were in the cave and there's that that boulder sort of hurtling towards them? 
and he turns to punch the boulder with full confidence that his fist will win the day. And it turns out that the boulder is actually a fake. It's this giant balloon, right? Yeah. So, and, and the balloon pops. So there's two I things about that. I had completely forgotten about that. So there's two things about that. A, who would punch a boulder unless they they had magical punching powers and like knew no fear whilst punching uh and b have you ever tried to punch a balloon yeah it doesn't pop it just goes flying especially a balloon of that size which is like one of those giant uh balloon balls in like pe class you never mm, it's went like to a, it's like a Zorb. high school. Yeah, like a Zorb-sized, uh, f- not even fabric. It's like um, like hot air balloon material yeah, or something yeah. along those lines. I know what things are. You're uh, smart, not dumb, <laughs> like they say. <laughs> Who says that? <laughs> no one says that. Uh, <laughs> so so my, my theory is, is that... Tristan has always had magical sharp fists. I wonder if he doesn't know he's magic and just kind of accepts that he can punch stuff and his punches are like really powerful. Yeah. He, he's, he, and he just he doesn't just, question it. Right. He's just used to it. You know, he was born this way. And he'd be like, what? Can't you guys punch things and they'll rip? Yeah, why isn't or, everyone using like, their sharp fists for these <laughs> these problems they come across? Why aren't you using your sharp fists? Yugi, just sharp punch him. Maybe that's why he is frequently acting like he thinks he's the smartest person in the room. Because he's the only one that remembers to use his sharp fists. <laughs> anyway, he sharp fist punches uh, freaking whatever the hell his name is. Bad Kura, and knocks him out. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he grabs the Millennium Ring, and uh, he just goes back to that weird door that just opens into nothingness, and yeets it out into the forest. A <laughs> second number yeet. two for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> One good yeet deserves another. And it does, because the Millennium Ring just goes like a frisbee way off into the distance and disappears into the trees far below with a little ding. Yeah, he he fucking hoists that thing. Like, that goes way further than it should. Yeah, like a quarter of a mile or something down into Easily, the... Easily, and it lands somewhere out in the forest. What could possibly go wrong taking this ancient artifact and just chucking it out a window? an ancient artifact with an evil spirit inside of it that he's chucked into an island that we've established is still full of high schoolers not only high schoolers but like pegasus's evil guards his henchmen oh shit oh no panic is gonna find the millennium ring (laughs) i would love to see panic possessed by the millennium uh ring nothing would change is the thing he's already creepy and mean (laughs) he would just become even more creepy and mean but with a different voice (laughs) it would get darker and more gravelly yeah it'd just be a a stock sound effect of like it oh panic's voice is like 
Macho Man Randy Savage, uh, but goth. I vaguely remember it, but like if Does his that make sense? voice so he's, got any he's more, like a, hey brother, talk about the the end of all things, and I will cast this card that makes it all dark, like my soul. That's so almost if, Kaiba. He, so if he gets possessed by Bad Kura, his voice will just get replaced by like a cement block sliding on some gravel. yes exactly exactly so yeah um tristan is left alone with these two uh unconscious bodies and it cuts back to the duel or as pegasus pronounces it duel duel pegasus pronounces duel like it's d-e-w-l yeah duel or D E W A L even, because it's still he makes it two syllables, but like not Duel. the syllables you'd expect. Duel. Uh yeah, and he he just like he gets into the showboating right up top, you know, as they're sort of getting whisked into the shadow realm and this dark cloud starts enveloping the the arena. He's he's saying, uh, I will defeat you in one realm or another, Yugi. Yeah, and, and uh, this, this like, dimension is like all like dark purple clouds and like lightning strikes. Uh, it's very Metroid Prime Two Echoes. Uh huh. All right. All right, the Mr. Metroid dimension. Prime. Calm down. <laughs> yep. Uh huh. Keep your pants it on. Them. Uh, it is though. It truly is. It's like this swirling purplish miasma with lightning that is somehow black. Yeah, it's that that anime lightning where it's like dark in the middle and then like a red glow on the edges yeah yeah so something yeah, is yeah. crackling with dark energies it's when you want to make sure that somebody knows that the energy is evil yeah it's gonna hurt you <laughs> it can fuck you up uh and yeah tristan or not tristan uh taya and joey are kind of watching this happen and behind yeah. them taya says like what's going on and joey says um, as they're getting engulfed by the sh- shadow realm, he says, "You got me. This is really spooky." <laughs> and they're just That's standing right. there watching this happen. Joey, voice for the audience, Wheeler. And like uh, and the entire castle them. isn't going. We we should be specific. The entire castle oh, isn't yes. getting in this miasma. It's just the dueling arena. Mm-hmm. So there's this like sphere that forms around them, or uh, just. Pegasus and Yugi and the arena uh, in the middle of their bottomless pit. Yes, yeah. Pegasus cast Gas Cloud, which is a 50-foot radius around a sphere, or a 50-foot sphere on a point of your choosing within range uh, that lasts for uh, 1d8 plus 2 rounds, etc., etc. Yep. That was a D&D joke. Uh, that's probably not going to land. Uh, <laughs> when did people hear it? Um, but yeah, so it's so it's just this like strange dark cloud over the arena, like you said. Um, behind Taya and Joey, uh, who should appear but Tristan? Carrying... Tristan shows up carrying, carrying both Mokuba, Mokuba and Bakura over his shoulders. He's carrying two bodies at once. Uh, proving it's that just he all is all dead weight at this point. Yeah, too. he is stronger and braver than any first responder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
firefighters. <laughs> I'm sure there are plenty of firefighters who could do that. These are like oh, yeah. 10 year old boys. Um, <laughs> Not like young preteen children. Yeah. Uh, it, it is. It's a sort of a fun turn though. Cause he kind of becomes like the team dad in a lot of ways. Like he, he yeah. pulls a, he, he pulls like a Steve Harrington and in, in a, a stranger things, oh, stranger things. Uh, where, I mean, like not, not to like spoil anything or, or, you know, for those who haven't seen it, but in the second season of stranger things, Steve Harrington has this great turn where he goes from being sort of a, uh, like, yeah, I'm the, I'm the bad boy. I get in fights to like caring for the younger children in like a sort of fatherly way. Yeah. Uh, and Tristan like has that older same mentor. Yeah. Tristan kind of has that sort of same turn here a little bit where he's like taking care of everyone and. Uh, and Taya and and Joey just are for like, this episode though, which is weird because usually he's just dumb as bricks. Oh yeah, no, it was instant. It and it might even just be this episode too. Like it might go away after this, but I love it because uh, Tristan and and or pardon me, Taya and Joey are like, what? Uh, how? Like what happened? How are? What? Why? How is Mokuba here? What happened to Bakura? And Tristan, <laughs> Tristan is just like. Uh oh man, what does he say? I didn't write the line down, but he he's like, uh, well, that evil spirit took over Bakura again and wanted to claim Mokuba as a new host. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I handled it. Yeah, they're just they're both just like, what, what, what? And he goes, no, 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 we'll talk about it later. It's fine. <laughs> so they're watching this uh smoke and dark lightning as this uh alternate reality sort of engulfs them, and they're just like, huh, weird. What's that over there? What's going on? <laughs> and so they leave the two unconscious bodies to go down to the uh, <laughs> the arena. Yeah, they want to go check it out. <laughs> to, they want to go see out. what's happening. And so they just leave unconscious Mokuba and Bakura like together up there out of sight. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> when yeah, this you know. possessed guy just said he's going to like take over this small child as his new host. Right. Just leave him alone. Yeah, let's just is put that, the, those two in the same room. That'll, that'll be is fine. Is the dark spirit still in there? Eh, who cares? Eh, I, I threw the necklace out. That should help, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's how that's how these things work. Uh, but, you know, they're all experts on magic now, so I'm sure yeah. they know what they're doing. And Yugi's taking it uh, pretty well, too, because we cut to inside the Shadow Realm. And Yugi's like, this place mm-hmm. gives me the creeps. Whenever Pegasus brings me here, it can only mean one thing. A shadow game. Did I... I was looking at my notes when this happened, but when he said shadow game, was there a weird vocal effect on that? Oh, I don't remember. Do you remember this at all? It was... And I, I didn't... I couldn't... I didn't... Frankly, I couldn't be arsed to uh, to, to go back uh, to use a, a Britishism. Um, but it... It sounded like that chanting that we heard when uh, Tristan and, and Taya and Joey went to the Shadow Realm, uh, or what we assume is the Shadow Realm, and heard like the chanting. It sounded like they layered on a bunch of voices all saying Shadow Game at once. Oh. But then Maybe. they never, they never, like nobody pointed it out. Nobody like makes any notice of it. It's just that one brief kind of truncated line of Shadow Game. And then it was over. 
Well, I probably didn't hear it because I was watching it on my phone. That's true. That's true. So and it and it could have just it could have just been me. Maybe I was making more of it than it is. But uh, yeah, so they're in the the shadow realm and it's a shadow game and and uh, it's 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 a shadowy shadow shadow. Yeah, Yugi takes this really well. He's just like, oh man, the shadow realm. I hate it when Pegasus takes me here. It was so weird and creepy. I genuinely forgot that this is the first time that Pegasus and Yugi met was in the Shadow Realm. And I I had to strain to remember when the last time Yugi was in the Shadow Realm. I don't remember. Can you remind me? It was it was when Yugi got the invitation to join uh the tournament at Duelist Kingdom. And he gets the VHS tape and oh, everything. The, he gets like the dual the glove and the and the tape. And it's the VHS tape that sucks him into. Well, at first, I is it first it takes in Grandpa's soul and then they duel. No, I think it's I think it's first they duel and then he takes Grandpa's soul. But the duel is in the Shadow Realm via the VHS tape, a la the Ring. That was a long ass time ago. It was. That was the literally, beginning of the season. Literally like 36 episodes ago. <laughs> yeah, that was what, episode two or something? Yeah, episode two or three. Uh, but anyway, so so they're back here, and the reason Pegasus reveals that he brought them into the Shadow Realm is that in the Shadow Realm, uh, it's going to be more difficult for Yugi to keep up the, the mind shuffle technique that they developed last episode. So every time they, they switch bodies, it's going to be more difficult for Yugi, little Yugi, to kind of keep uh, sort of the, the, the mental energy that is required to operate in the Shadow Realm. Uh, so it's, it's really sort of just a, it's like an endurance play on Pegasus's part. Yeah, the Shadow Realm is just constantly draining him of power. Just like in Metroid Prime 2 Echoes and... Um... The, the goal here is to just wipe out Yugi so he can just walk over and take the Millennium Puzzle. Jimmy, I'm really looking forward to your think piece on how the plot of Yu-Gi-Oh! is essentially the same as Metroid Prime. It's very similar. Yugi just needs to get the, uh, <laughs> the dark suit or the light suit and he'll be able to withstand its, uh, its dark powers a little better. I genuinely think we're building up to something like that. I, I do not remember the next episode. I mean, I know I know the gist of what happens, but I I think we may be getting there. Oh man, uh, I'm excited. I do. B- before we ha- we move on, I did have in my notes this shot where Pegasus is explaining like why it's going to be difficult for Yugi to be in the shadow realm and do the mind shuffle thing. While he's doing that, it's a close-up of Yugi's face, super imp- or it's a superimposition of little Yugi and big Yugi. And little Yugi is doing this thing where his mouth is open, but it's moving. And it's just kind of slowly moving between two different open positions. Like he's going, oh, oh, oh. I saw that. It was oh. weird. Just silently while Pegasus is talking. And I don't know if that's like... In the translation, did they cut a line out there and just, like, looped something? I have no idea. There was a lot of, like, little weird things like that just in the background this episode. Uh, but, so, on the, the revelation of all of this, Big Yugi says, okay, well, let me take over uh, because I'm, you know, str- I have the strength to withstand the Shadow Realm because he's a 
5,000-year-old spirit or whatever, which I still, I don't know how much of this Yami Yugi stuff is like our knowledge versus show knowledge. Like, I don't know if somebody watching the show for the first time would really understand why Big Yugi is powerful. I don't think so. Other than he Um, is a spirit in the Millennium item. Right. That's about it. We don't know he's the Pharaoh. We just call him that because we know he's Pharaoh. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this is one of those things where, like, if you grew up at a time where, like, season one had already come out, you probably, like, know just through culture <laughs> yeah, what, what his deal is. Assimilation. Um, So he takes over, and he uh, is like, all right, I have the strength to kind of get us through here. Let me handle at least this turn. Yeah. Um, But then uh, I guess it's Pegasus's turn, right? Because he doesn't play a card here. Yeah, I I don't have any notes on this either. I don't have the walkthrough because I don't have internet. But um, yeah, he plays uh, a card that he made only for this game, he says. Yeah. Like, uh, we don't really need the walkthrough, I think, for this episode because the walkthrough is basically this. Pegasus makes up a bunch of bullshit and gets away with it. Yeah. Pegasus pulls out, like we were talking about so many times before, just a bunch of cards that he created specifically for himself. So if he gets challenged, uh, he can basically win the game every time. He says, like straight up, point blank, this card, uh, which is called Dark Eyes Illusionist, he made specifically for this game, which is just like a thing he can do. He anticipated dueling Yugi and just decided to make a new card that is uh, beat up Yugi. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Essentially like that's, that's, that's the card. That's it. And he, he makes a point of pointing out like, okay, dark eyes illusionist has zero attack and zero defense. But it definitely has a secret ability that I gave it. And because you've never seen this card before, you're not going to know what it is. Oh, isn't that annoying? Yeah, he really hams it up here talking about this uh, card. And Dark Eyes Illusionist, um, which we have also never seen before, obviously, Mm -hmm. basically looks like if the Sheikah from Breath of the Wild Zelda uh, designed a clown. Yes. (laughs) Yep. That's a, it's funny because on the, not this monster, but the next one that comes out, I wrote down that it was my favorite Breath of the Wild boss. <laughs> it looks very similar. It's got like a millennium eye sort of in its head. And then it's just got a bunch of wacky uh, cone shapes for its body in different colors. Yeah, it makes me wonder like if, because we've learned a little bit that the monsters in Dual Monsters are based on this like ancient magical dueling thing. It makes me wonder if this card is also based on that. Like if this has a quote-unquote real-world monster associated with it. Yeah. Or if it's just like Pegasus kind of riffing on that motif. Yeah, how much leeway does Pegasus have here? I know a lot of the cards are based on actual monsters, but can he just make them up? completely and does that I mean, mean it has less a card. like yeah that's true does that so, mean that cards that he makes up uh have less like actual like spiritual power to them since he just made them up they're not oh. based on like actual magic that's or a really good be- question because 
Oh, no, go ahead. Or do they become magic because he's making them in the same system as all these magical cards? Can Pegasus just that, create new monsters? That is a really good question. And that's interesting in, in the mechanics of the show because what Pegasus explains is that in the Shadow Realm, you have to concentrate to summon monsters. And it costs like a like almost a physical energy to keep yeah. a monster summoned. Like a psychic toll. Yeah. You Ooh. have to use... Wow, yeah, psychic coal is... Man, that's badass. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> you you have to basically use your own... J- just sheer force of will to keep these magical creatures uh, around you and, like, fighting for you and stuff. Yeah, it's like... It's like one step short of, like, blood magic, right? Basically. It's like a... It's You can tell, and especially when they switch back to little Yugi in a little bit here, but you can tell it's taking like a physical toll. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, if Pegasus is just like that good at being in the shadow realm, maybe he's just giving these things magic because he's, you know, mastered the millennium eye and all this bullshit. Uh, or maybe because he just made them up, maybe they take less energy to like summon. I, I genuinely don't, I don't know. know, but this card is literally just like, hey, Yugi, I made this just to fuck you up because I made this game and I'm going to literally cheat so that you don't win. Yeah, it has zero attack and defense. Come at me. What it, what's going to happen? Ooh, wouldn't you like to find out? <laughs> uh, so uh, Yugi, Big Yugi, plays Curse of Dragon, mm-hmm. which, again, I feel like I have to point out here is not a curse. It's, it's just, just a, a dragon. dragon thing. It's a like skeletal a skeletal dragon. dragon. It's not a curse. <laughs> uh, so I don't know why it's called that. Uh, and then little Yugi tags back in. They do the mind shuffle. They do the mind shuffle again. <laughs> uh, and yeah, this is when Pegasus is explaining like the mental strain of kind of summoning and keeping monsters out on the field. Oh, speaking uh, he of that, explains um, that in it. Oh, uh-huh. I do want to point out... Um, since they're in the shadow realm, I guess whenever you summon a monster, you have to actually like talk to it because Big Yugi plays Curse of Dragon. Then he has to yell, "Dragon, come forth!" And then this like magic portal appears behind him, where the instead of like being holographically projected onto the field, the dragon just like appears out of this magical hole in space and comes to Egypt. It just flies in onto the battlefield. Yeah, yeah, it's like an actual summoning sort of ritual there, which I think is really cool. Yeah. It kind of makes me wish they did more like that with the hologram. Like, I feel like the hologram dueling could be a lot cooler. Instead of just going to see the Shadow Realm stuff. And it's like a Star Trek uh, transporter effect where it's just like, here's a monster. (laughs) Uh, But, eh, oh well. Uh, Pegasus is explaining that like in addition to that strain the connection between Little Yugi and Big Yugi also takes effort to keep up and it's like gonna take some sort of an uh, exertion to switch back and forth yeah so he implies essentially that he's waiting for Little Yugi to just like pass the fuck out right yeah and it pans over to Little Yugi and he is not having a good day he is like shaking 
Um, he's having to support himself on the side of the arena. He's sweating. Um, there's a quote he says that I'm just going to say once and leave it, which is, this is so hard, the strain, it hurts. Uh, yeah. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> uh, Pegasus also says before that, uh, you'll find that everything is harder in the Shadow Realm, which it, I'll just kind of leave up for interpretation. Sure. Uh, as little Yugi is shown to not be having a great day, uh, it cuts to uh, Taya, and there's this sound, like a, like a, a plucking of a string... And uh, Taya sort of like starts and looks up and uh, Joey feels it too. And Tristan feels it too. And they all relate this experience of like having this weird pain in their heart uh, sort of simultaneously. And they don't know how, but they all accept this to be a sign that Yugi is in trouble. They kind of, they kind of guess that they have this like, I don't know, friendship connection now, right? Yeah. That's, that's telling them that their friend is in trouble, which I don't know that they needed the weird magical pain thing to tell them that. They could just look at the giant dark cloud in front of them. Yeah, this alternate but... dimension punching through into our, our universe. But Yeah, no, they're... you know, like, that might be a sign. No, it's their friendship that has given them a magical uh, connection to Yugi. You know, though, Jimmy, there's no friendship symbol, and I'm happy for that. <laughs> there's no friendship symbol. I thought they would, like, look down and they would see it, like, glowing on their hands. I genuinely expected that to happen, and it did not, and I'm happy. But they talk about how uh, this must mean that um, Yugi is in trouble in there. And mm-hmm. it is hilarious to me the that Joey refers to Yugi as their little buddy. <laughs> <laughs> he does, it sounds like he? our little buddy is in trouble in there <laughs> which makes him just sound like he's like five right yeah yugi team mascot <laughs> hey little buddy little buddy <laughs> he holds the fate of several souls in his hands you're doing good in your duel all right we're here to support you <laughs> is that Rhode Island, Joey? What is that? <laughs> I don't know where that accent went. Uh, so, oh man, what does anything else happen with that, or is that just it? We just get like a cutaway of like my heart. Yeah, they're just like ah, they just get that psychic ping, and I think it just pen it just goes back right into the duel. It um, does. It does. The next note that I have is that there are some great close-ups of hands holding cards. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of them. Which, like, I think we've seen in the show before, but not really with this much emphasis. Like, they really put a lot of detail into, like, this is a hand holding a bunch of cards. I feel and like the cards all their, look really good. Their animation budget all went into uh, animating, like, the monsters and um the like swirling clouds and stuff and then they were just left with all these shots that they had to fill in so they put in a bunch of close-ups and freeze frames and stuff i mean honestly i'm kind of here for it like the the detail on these is really it's impress it's i mean it's not impressive compared to like some animes but for this show it's really impressive like it's good detail they're good they're well composed shots um and they're just like 
oh, let me show that I'm tense by how I hold my cards, I guess. Yeah. Uh, what else happens here? Pegasus offers to send Yugi back to the real world uh, if if the, the strain of being in the Shadow Realm is too much. But he essentially implies, like, hey, you could forfeit any time, you know? Yeah, I'll, I'll let you do that. It'll just cost you everything you know and love. But um, Yeah, no big deal. Uh, Yugi just swaps with Big Yugi again, and mm-hmm. he uses Curse of Dragon to attack. Right. And, and this is when the for... bullshit starts. Yeah. Pardon me, pardon me, this eyes. is when the flannel starts. <laughs> There's a lot of flannel going on. Uh, because it attacks Dark Eyes Illusionist, and now we get to see its special ability. Mm-hmm. Do you want to explain its it? special ability... I don't know that I can't explain it necessarily. Its special ability is like its eye, its dark eye, shall we say, begins to glow, and it paralyzes Curse of Dragon in place. Yeah, when it gets attacked, um, it doesn't have any attack or defense, but it paralyzes... Uh, enemy monsters so they can't do anything which is right. kind of a neat mechanic yeah yeah it is i mean it's kind of a, a bullshit mechanic that i don't know that would fly in a, a tournament legal deck but yeah okay I, I i get the the charm there uh give me one moment uh toshi the cat is at my door and just screaming over and over again Toshi. So I, I take it he needs to get some food. Uh, I'll be right back. Okay. Oh, I can hear him. All right. Okay. It's time. Okay, I'm back. Hooray. The cat has been saved. The cat has been saved from having to eat food that is like one quarter of an inch below the top of his food bowl. It needed to be refilled. Because obviously he was starving. Clearly, just such a dejected cat that just nobody cares for him. Nobody loves that cat. He is just uh, a garbage cat that belongs in the dumpster. No one loves him. No one pets him. (sighs) Trash cat. Never gets anything that he wants. Uh, Anyway, so yeah, so Curse of Dragon attacks Dark Eyes Illusionist. Dark Eyes Illusionist paralyzes Curse of Dragon. Pegasus, on his turn then, plays uh, the Black Illusion Ritual. Uh, yes, this which... is also another new bullshit card he made up just for this exact purpose. Yeah, so it sacrifices Dark Eyes Illusionist, which he makes this like, like I'm saying it really quickly here, but he makes this big grand show of it, right? Like he's doing hand swooping gestures and you know, laying cards down really dramatically, but essentially like he sacrifices dark eyes illusionist and it's going to summon, uh, another bullshit card relinquished, which is the full name. That's yep, just, just relinquished. That's the title of the card. And yeah, I like your note here that it looks like, uh, another breath of the wild boss, but yeah, yeah. it looks like, <laughs> A big, uh, ancient robot, and then, like, down in the center of its body, it's, like, got, like, a big robot sphincter? (laughs) Yeah, I I said belly button in my notes, but I think sphincter might be more accurate. It's got a giant robot rectum. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, it, it puckers with a very unnerving sort of look. Yeah, and and just looking at this thing, it's like, I don't know. I I felt like it was kind of underwhelming, right? Like he does this big build up, and it's just like, all right, it's a it's a robot asshole. It's yeah. Cool, I guess. Good job. It's kind of spooky looking, but um, let's see, what's it do again? Oh, it oh, does yeah. some bullshit. So it like sucks Relingu- curse of yeah. dragon curse of dragon is paralyzed weird. uh-huh so it opens its weird sphincter mouth and sucks Ugh. the curse of dragon in and it is consumed entirely yep. uh-huh and so yugi gets mad and has uh he's had dark magician out this whole time also and so he has dark magician attack relinquished and as it does so uh, there's some actually pretty good, like, Japanese horror-style stuff that happens here. Uh, Relinquished has these shield things that come down and clamp around it, and out of the side of these shields, uh, Curse of Dragon, like, emerges, just kind of fused into the side of the shield, and it uses Curse of Dragon as a shield, and so Dark Magician attacks, uh, Curse of Dragon, but Curse of Dragon is still technically Yugi's monster. So Dark Magician kills Curse of Dragon, and Yugi hurts his own life points. Yeah, which is like... It It would be a cool strategy if Pegasus weren't like, I made this card up just for this occasion. Yeah. Like, if this were if this were him just legitimately being like, here are cards that you are aware of, but if I use them in this configuration, it will do this thing and, like, cause you to attack your own monsters. No, he's just like, you attack your own monsters now because I said so. Yeah, it's basically uh, stealing your opponent's monsters to use as a meat shield. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you You're can't relinquish You can't attack it. it, yeah. Oh, Oh, <laughs> clever! Uh-huh. So you can't attack Pegasus now without hurting yourself, which he right. monologues about for a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So Curse of Dragon gets killed, and then Curse of Dragon's attack points get taken away from Yugi's life points because it's Yugi's monster still, like you said. Uh, and then uh, that activates uh, relinquished hypnotic attraction uh which is another thing that it can do which is similar to the paralyzing move the dark eyes illusionist had but what it does is it forces dark magician to like come closer to relinquished and get sucked into the 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 pucker yeah so Uh, attacking this thing also makes it paralyze your monsters and eat them mm mm-hmm after it, you attack your own monsters. And it does that same shot again where Dark Magician sort of gets sucked in and then, like, pushed out through the flesh of the monster and, and becomes a, a new meat shield. Yeah. It's very, what was like, the... it's very Akira in a way. Yes. And what was that What was that one Doctor Who monster that the the kid came up with that was just uh, oh. Absorbaloth? Absorbaloff, yeah. From that really bad episode where it eats people and then it's just their faces like emerging out of its skin. Yeah, it's 
for 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 people who might not be Doctor Who fans, there was this thing. Was it like a Make a Wish or something, or was it just a contest? Something, something along those lines, where uh, children across the UK were invited to come up with uh, villains for Doctor Who, and the winner would be have have their monster like created and put into an episode. Yeah, and this one kid was just it came up with a monster called the Absorbaloff, which like absorbed other people into it and assumed their forms, if I remember correctly. I don't remember. Something I don't remember exactly, lines. but it but it essentially did it it did what Relinquished is doing here. It like sucks people in and then you see bits of people kind of coming back out. Yeah. Uh and it was, it was very just a, creepy, like a big green fat guy with yeah. human faces emerging from its belly yeah and i kind of worry for that kid <laughs> <laughs> kids come up with the weirdest shit it's true it's true um but so that's what happens here and essentially pegasus is doing just a big old fuck you to yugi just being like you attack me you lose you don't attack me you lose you defend yourself you lose uh sorry bud yeah, and I think and... now if Yugi plays anything or to attack Pegasus now, um, since he's got uh, Dark Magician, if he kills Dark Magician, the game is over because he only has like 400 life points now. Right, yeah, because if he kills Dark Magician, because this whole effect of Relinquish doesn't uh doesn't move dark magician to the graveyard doesn't like take control of dark magician necessarily it's still yugi's monster if he dies he'll you know take those life the attack points away from yugi's life points so dark magician dies yugi dies yep and as we all know in this case you die in the game you die in real life yep it's a shadow realm it's a shadow game shadow uh, that's game the- that's the uh, the ultimate price of playing games here in the Shadow Realm. And Big Yugi is like hearing all of this, and he's trying to figure out a strategy. And he's he's getting like really intense about it. Uh, and Little Yugi says that they should mind shuffle again, just long enough for Little Yugi to play a card. And Big Yugi's kind of like against it at first because he knows that there's a strain being put on Little Yugi just being in the Shadow Realm. And he reveals that the reason he's so stressed about it is that if little Yugi can't keep it together and like he succumbs to the the like fatigue, I guess. The energies of the shadow, of realm, the shadow realm. His soul will literally get torn asunder and drift in the shadow realm for all eternity in a middle little a million little pieces. Yeah, that's uh pretty dark for a kid's show when it's been so They've gone to such lengths to like not show guns and stuff, whatever. But they can yeah. talk about how your in your like immortal soul will get ripped to dust, basically, and then just drift forever in the clouds of the shadow realm. Yeah, like, hey, kids, let's not talk about like you know violence or real world issues or abuse or anything. But like, contemplate your mortality for a second. <laughs> This is fun, right? Yeah. yeah. This is a fun kids show about card games. How, what if you lost a card game and then died? <laughs> you ever thought about that? You ever stopped to really think about that? Hmm. What if you lost a card game and then died and then you lived forever 
as a million little pieces that can't come back together to form yourself. Wouldn't that be great? Man, I'm going to have a whole new class of nightmares now. (laughs) Uh, So as this happens, little Yugi convinces big Yugi to to switch. Uh, A couple of notable things occur. First of which is that Pegasus calls little Yugi, little Yugi, which means I'm not alone. I'm not the only one. Yeah, I have. I wrote the same note. Little Yugi. He has the same same nickname for him that we do. He's trying to and he's keep like, them apart. Yeah, and he's kind of happy about it too. He's like, "Oh, it's little Yugi. Hey, hey, your soul is gonna get shredded. Isn't that great? <laughs> hey, bud." And then little Yugi draws a card and places it face down, and it takes for fucking. Ever. It takes like two minutes for him to draw a card and, and put it down because he's just like panting and sweating and struggling through the whole motion. And I there was a split second where I looked at my notes. Do we ever see the card that he plays? No, he just places it face down. Just places it face down. He barely looks at it. I think he knows what it is, but it's not shown to us, the audience. No. Which is also super important here because that's the first time that's really happened in the show where the, we don't see what the strategy is. This has happened a little bit before, but usually they do show uh, like Yugi's inner monologue about what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always sort of, like you said at the beginning of this episode, There's it's this circle of characters explaining things and having things explained to them. And this is sort of the one time where we don't get that, and it causes some interesting uh, tension there for the audience, which I think is really cool. Yeah. And so his one turn that's supposed to take like a couple of seconds uh, just is drawn out for a long time because he also plays Feral Imp in defense mode Mm -hmm. because he has to defend against Pegasus or he'll die next turn anyway. Um, Right. Because the, uh, whatever it's called, relinquished can also use his attack and defense points. Not just Yes, defense. yeah. So that's that's kind of what Pegasus reveals like almost instantly after Yugi's turn is over is that he can use Dark Magician to attack. Uh, and so he uses Dark Magician to attack the, the Feral Imp in defense mode and just instantly destroys it. Uh, and... Big Yugi is like, oh shit, you know, this monster dying is going to be too much strain on little Yugi. Uh, And Pegasus even has a line of like, I know it's little Yugi here. I could try to read his mind, but he's just going to switch back. So instead, I'm going to overtax his mind by by placing more stress on him. So destroying the monster kind of tips little Yugi over the edge of like, he can't hold on anymore. He can't kind of keep that energy up to stay in the shadow realm. So he just collapses. Yeah. He passes out in his own mind. Mm-hmm. And then like zooms and, into uh, his mind and, um, big Yugi is there like in like this lit v- vignette with just darkness surrounding them. And he's like trying to get Yugi to stand up, but he's just completely passed out. And it cuts back to the peanut gallery who are mm-hmm. like, I, I like this scene for many reasons because it's basically just uh, a D&D party trying to figure out how puzzles work. 
because <laughs> it cuts back outside uh, and they all like feel Yugi's pain and they acknowledge it, which is uh, important. We'll talk about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the meantime, they're just kind of walking around the outside of this uh, dimensional sphere and like make messing around with puzzles. They're like trying to figure out how it works and like running through it and appearing on the other side. Uh, Taya sticks her hand in and then her own hand comes out next to her. And they're just yeah, like, it's very like, it's very portal. Yeah. They're just kind of poking at this thing. Uh, Tristan mm-hmm. like jogs into it trying to get in and then he just goes out the other side uh, and then come comes back in and goes out the side he came in. Uh, they're trying to get in and they just can't. They're just messing around, throwing st- throwing tactics at the wall to see what sticks. Yeah, it's like a little bit of humor in this like, otherwise really like weird, intense, and serious moment. Which is kind of nice, except kind of not. Because they come back into the Shadow Realm and it's big Yugi like standing over the collapsed little Yugi and he's like I can't feel the presence of little Yugi's mind anymore yeah which is not a good thing to happen when you've got two minds in one body yeah so like the boy dead I think the the, the boy dead the boy dead the the boy well that's the end of the show Thanks for watching. <laughs> that's that's the end of Yu-Gi-Oh. His soul has been shredded and is dispersed to the four winds of the Shadow Realm. And it, it cuts back to the peanut gallery and Joey's like, hey, I can't feel Yugi's presence anymore. Which, yeah, like, we... A, isn't a thing that he could do two seconds ago. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, Tristan and Tay are also like, yeah, you know, us us neither. It was like he was here and now he's he's not. We feel like his presence leave. Yeah, they're trying to figure out why they can't feel Yugi anymore when they have literally never besides the last 2 seconds been able to like feel his presence or whatever through their magic friendship it's like really, abilities. It's like a really lame sort of sense 8 moment. where they're just suddenly aware of each other in a psychic sort of sense sense uh, four aren't sense four uh well sense three now uh (laughs) and uh and joey uh joey gets so angry that he he stares menacingly at the dark cloud and just punches into his hand yeah which I, i thought was funny is like he's gearing up to like beat up the cloud i guess yeah, I thought that maybe they'll just try and punch their way into this alternate dimension, but unfortunately, that's not what happens. I genuinely think that Tristan could, with what we've established about his punching ability, but he just doesn't—he uh, just doesn't think of it that way. Yeah, he would just punch the shadow realm and pop it and bring everyone back. I. Where's just, the lie? It's D and D. Just attack the darkness. Punch it. Yeah. <laughs> Punch the darkness. It makes sense. It makes sense. Uh, we cut to the Millennium Puzzle glowing. Big Yugi tags back in. Uh, and he gets super serious now. He, like, swears vengeance against Pegasus. Oh, yeah. Uh, he has a great line. He's like, he's like, for what you have done, I will show you no mercy. Which, 
I mean, cool. Okay, gotta yeah, gotta put your money where your mouth is. I guess. Pretty badass. Uh, and then Pegasus reminds him that now, the the now Yugi there's only one boy body that the Yugi Gestalt is now yeah it's just one one boy, uh, and he can read Big Yugi's mind all he wants, and the only card that he doesn't know about is the one that Little Yugi played face down earlier. Yeah, but otherwise, he, Pegasus knows exactly what Big Yugi's drawing, what he's got in his hand, all that good stuff. Yeah, he reads his mind and he sees that. Um, Yugi just got he drew winged dragon and he's like oh you just got could it be the winged dragon and big Yugi can't do anything else besides play winged dragon and it gets destroyed like immediately mm-hmm. uh, yeah yeah relinquished uh, with, with dark magician destroys it pretty much right away and then Pegasus plays Another card, but not one that he's made up. It's one that Yugi's heard of before. And it's called... It is, in fact, infamous. It is. well known. I wish that we had seen it before, because I feel like that might have, like, added something to the scene. But he plays a card called Yigen Bakudan. Oh, yes. Yigen Bakudan. That card we all know and love. The infamous time bomb. Yeah, Yugi instantly knows it as the infamous time bomb. Uh, But Pegasus explains that it's a time bomb that destroys everything on the field in two turns. Yeah. And this is significant because... Oh, yeah, go ahead. When that happens, Uh um, Yugi still has his own uh, Dark Magician out there. So when Dark Magician dies... uh, he will lose all his life points too. But since Pegasus has uh, relinquished out there, um, it does not have any attack or defense points of its own. And so when that dies, nothing will happen and Pegasus will win. Yep. So it's basically like, yeah, here's a strategy that I've kind of constructed just for this this exact scenario. This one game... He created new uh, game cards to use for this exact scenario. <laughs> My gift to you, Yugi. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's fine. I guess I don't know. Uh, so he monologues scene, a bit more, and yeah, there's a bunch yeah. of close-ups in this scene, which is really my only big note here. Just lots of like, shots of eyes. Yeah. The, for a brief moment, we see. Uh, Yugi's hand and I'm gonna uh-huh. make a bet with you Tyler okay. one of the cards that he has is Karibo there is a 100% chance that he's going to win this game against Pegasus with Karibo in some bullshit next episode oh absolutely absolutely I saw I saw in his hand is, is not only Karibo but it's Karibo and Multiply which is the the card that he used to make that infinite wall of Karibos against uh, 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 fucking Kaiba. Kaiba. So long uh, ago. So, yeah, yeah. Guarantee. Uh, no, that's 100%. There's going to be some Karibo bullshit happening next episode. Hands and then down. Pegasus is going to get so mad that he gets beaten by Karibo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He is using like all these wacky tune characters. So I, I don't know why. He would be and so mad about that. Custom made cards. Yeah, and custom made bullshit cards that are basically 
uh, in this exact scenario against this exact person, you win the game. Right. But yeah, so at this point, Big Yugi, he hasn't kind of figured out a strategy yet. He doesn't know what the card is that Little Yugi's played. And he's like, you know, that 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 card has to be the perfect card because otherwise like i'm done like that's that's game over for me like i failed i messed up i've lost the souls of everyone you know grandpa and kaiba and mokuba are all done for and who knows what else is going to happen uh when pegasus gets my millennium puzzle and he kind of like mentally gives up here right it's kind of the vibe yeah. i get and, and that's the end of the episode yeah, it just kind of cuts to black and goes to be continued, which I mean we knew like it's part four or five, but it's like oh, all right, that's how we're gonna end it, huh? Just uh, just on a big old downer. All is lost. Uh, next time on Yu-Gi-Oh, watch this kid lose his soul. <laughs> <laughs> all is lost. Stay tuned for bo 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 bo. So yeah, that's the episode. There it is. Jimmy, what was your favorite part of this episode? Hmm. My favorite part. Okay. My favorite part. I didn't have to think about it very much. My favorite part was the peanut gallery trying to figure out how uh, alternate dimensions work. (laughs) Just kind of poking at it. Yeah. Just kind of standing around and sticking their hands in it and like throwing stuff through it and like trying to run through this alternate dimension that just emerged in the middle of this castle. Right. It, it was just a, a nice light moment, and it's 100% what, like, a and d party would do. It just made me laugh. Yeah, it is. I hadn't thought of it D&D-wise. I, I was thinking of it like, uh, like, you know those episodes of Scooby-Doo where they're getting chased through the halls and they're, like, popping in and out of doorways? Oh, yeah. It's like that, just sort of the opposite it's like it's like the inverse of that where instead of going through a corridor they're going through a, a cloud i don't know something about it kind of had the same vibe to me yeah it's the same basic principles just kind of whoa how did i get over here that kind of stuff <laughs> right what was your favorite part of this episode i think my favorite part of this episode is is tristan's like sudden understanding of the world and its environs you know, like, yeah, just magically having magically uh, magically getting the ability to understand and explain the origin of magic and then being like, and you know what I really need to focus on here? Being a good dad, <laughs> taking care of these passed out teenagers. Yeah, this teenager knowing how to just threatened to consume my soul, but I'm going to take care of him. Yeah, he's my friend. Uh, he's got some bad juju going on, so I'm just going to chuck it out the window and right. move on with my life. <laughs> yeah. And his, so like, he... super strong punching abilities. <laughs> his his knife fists. <laughs> his sharp fists. It's still weird that, like, at the end of the last episode with uh, Bakura being evil and trapping everyone in the shadow game out in the forest... Uh, everyone just kind of assumed it's a dream, but now they just mm-hmm. look at him and they're like, oh, yeah, that was real. Oh, yeah, I remember. That yeah, was totally yeah. real. I remember that clear as yeah. day. Right. When it was yeah, like that, a plot that part... point that they didn't remember it besides right. being a dream. 
yeah, yeah, like part of me wants an explanation there of like, oh yeah, and then like so and so cast this magical spell to let them remember things accurately or whatever. But but I kind of like the idea that like, oh, through the power of friendship, they just understand magic now. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> kind of just like it makes things a little bit simpler. I think. Yeah. Uh, how about uh, your least favorite part? Least favorite that's a good question there was a lot of good stuff this episode there was um i guess the worst part was the uh the recap it didn't explain anything (laughs) yeah even those of us who had just seen the last episode a week ago um if i had forgotten any of it it would just be like i have no idea what's going on here the the editing was poorly done i thought it wasn't yeah yeah it failed the basic premise of a recap it did it it, yeah it didn't really introduce anyone to Yu-Gi-Oh, right it didn't bring him up to speed on the story yeah yeah i agree that was kind of disappointing for me it's like it's funny if you just no, it's it's close. My least favorite, I think, would have to be when Big Yugi reveals. Well, okay, it's it's two parts. First part is when Pegasus reveals that the Shadow Realm takes a physical toll on the people inside of it. Yeah, why haven't and, we and seen in this, this case before? specifically? Exactly, and in this case specifically, it takes a toll on Little Yugi. Pegasus doesn't really seem to mind. Big Yugi doesn't really seem to mind. It's just little Yugi here. If that were canonical, we should have seen this already in the two times that Yugi has been in the Shadow Realm. We have not. Yeah. He was in the Shadow Realm fighting the fat clown guy. And he did it in like at the episode two of fighting Pegasus. And against Bakura. And against Bakura. Although I guess technically it was like big Yugi doing the duel or whatever, but like still we should have, there should have been some explanation in that regard. And then the second part is big Yugi taking that a step further and being like, Hey, by the way, like it's not just, Oh, you're feeling tired. It's that's the feeling of your soul getting torn apart. And if we fuck up here, you're just gonna evaporate. Yeah. Like, just all of a sudden with no warning to drop that on, like, not even just Yugi, but just, like, the audience. And we're just like, oh, okay, I guess that's how it works now. All right, that's fun. Cool, this was a good choice. KK, bye. Yeah, you know these magical games we've been having? Well, if you were to happen to, like, lose in them, you would get... Uh, just completely annihilated and exist as an incoherent nebulous ball of thoughts for all eternity. Yeah. And Oh, by the way, the act of playing the game will suck life force from you. Like have fun. Yeah. I don't know. It might be just a consequence of this specific shadow game that Pegasus is doing, but it could I be. feel like they could have explained that if that was, yeah, it just, it, it feels unearned in a way that's very similar to Pegasus's cards this episode. Like it's not really 
like, yeah, I get it. Like you want to build the tension or whatever, but like you didn't really do anything to get there. You kind of just jumped to having the tension. Yeah. There wasn't anything in previous episodes that suggested any of this would happen. Yeah. Even though this kind of scenario has happened before. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that's my worst. I don't know. That part felt disappointing to me. That's fair. Yeah, that was kind of dumb. Cool in concept, but Uh, poor in execution. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If it were were a whole show about, like, this idea of being in the Shadow Realm and, like, having to, like, physically exert yourself to summon actual monsters, like, I would be totally down for that shit, but that's not what this is. No, that would be a much better show. Yeah. Uh, Do you have anything else you want to say about this episode? Nope, that's it. All right. Let's get those cards of the week. It's, it's time, time to uh, 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 end the episode. Jimmy, did you have a card from this episode you want to talk about real quick? Uh, Sure. Uh, I like, well, there's only one new card that we saw this week. Well, I guess two, but. Oh, we um, saw two. Yeah. Kind of the same deal, though. Relinquished. Yeah. It's, yeah, uh, Relinquished it's... is really interesting. It looks spooky. It has a neat mechanic. Uh, I just wish that we'd seen it some more in the show because it would be cool. This is another one of those cards where if one of the main characters had it, it would be really cool to see different scenarios surrounding it. But we just get to see it one time probably and never see it again. Yeah, I'm pulling up Relinquished, the card, the real card now. Because it's a real card in Yu-Gi-Oh! It's not just one of those that like only exists in the show. It's interesting. The The text on it is like a paragraph, but essentially it, it is what it does in the show here. It's you can target a monster that your opponent controls and equip that target to relinquished. And hmm. so then you, you essentially give relinquish the attack and defense of that equipped monster. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, so, which is is pretty, pretty similar. Yeah, it's 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 basically yeah what it, what it is in the show, um, and it's a one star card, so you can uh, just as soon as you have the the dark illusion ritual or whatever, you can just pop it out, which is great. Um, still feels kind of shitty for Pegasus to be like, hey, I made something special for you. Here you go. <laughs> that's just yeah. what it is. I think. Yeah, that's the the flavor of the card, but in actual game mechanics, that actually sounds pretty neat. And you yourself can go out and get it right now, if you play (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh! If you act now, call in the next five minutes. (laughs) Uh, Our card of the week, though, our random card of the week, generated by my list of every possible Yu-Gi-Oh! card, is Mataza the Zapper. Uh, The Zapper, huh? That's uh Yeah, Mataza M A T A Z A the Zapper. Mataza. Mataza the Zapper is a three star warrior effect monster. And it says this card can make a second attack during each battle phase. Control of this face up card on the field cannot switch. It has thirteen hundred attack and eight hundred defense. Jimmy, I'm looking at a picture of Mataza the Zapper right now. I got it up too. Does so, anything about this say Zapper to you? I was going to ask you the same question. No, it doesn't. 
essentially what we're seeing here is like a uh, like a samurai, a samurai showdown. Like it's a it's a showdown in weeding, basically. It's there's a samurai in like green armor close to the camera who's hiding behind a tree, it looks like. Yeah, a tree or a pillar, but probably a tree. It looks like they're in the weeding, forest. Yeah, waiting for this figure that we see in silhouette that looks like a, a another samurai on horseback sort of coming towards the camera. Yeah, just lying nothing in wait. Here really, nothing here really says Zapper to me. I also... I wonder I'm, if Zapper is like some just poorly translated uh, equivalent of like, it's going to make a real fast attack real soon. Oh, like it's... Like it's shocking, yeah. And it's but it just sounds lame. Mataza the zapper, ah, he'll zap ya. See, I was picturing some kind of electric type monster that uses like electricity or lightning or something along those lines. Yeah, nope, it's just a guy with yeah. a sword. Yep. It's also it's unclear which of the figures in this illustration are supposed to be Mataza the zapper. Is I'm ninety percent it... sure it's the guy in the foreground. It could be. He's, he's but gonna what zap. if that person is waiting for Mataza the Zapper? Hmm. Maybe the horse is Mataza the Zapper. You you're, oh, okay. you won't be yeah, expecting the second attack from the horse. That's 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 one hundred percent what it is. You figured it out. Good job. Uh, there's one last thing about this illustration that bothers me, and listeners at home can do this too. If you look up a picture of Mataza the Zapper. Jimmy, look at so the, the 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 samurai person in the foreground. Look at what they're doing with their right hand that's holding the the sword. They're holding the scabbard. Well, no, sorry. It's, it's their right, your left, I suppose. The one that's oh. holding the the hilt of the sword and pulling. Oh, it out. they've got yeah. Their hand is like backwards. Can you? Can you replicate that with your physical human hand? Can you make that motion? Yes, I think so. I think what he is trying to do quite work for me. Well, it's not like it's the way he's planning on using the sword. I think he, when this guy passes him, he's going to like draw the sword and bring it out in a sweep into his face. Yeah, it just it feels like. It feels like his hand is like turned around 180 degrees in a direction that it shouldn't be. Yeah, but that's so he can do that move. If he did it the opposite direction, like how your hands usually are, it would. Uh-huh. The only way he'd be able to use his sword is in like a stabbing motion. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. It's just I'm I'm like looking at it. I'm trying to put my hand in like the same configuration, like have my elbow and everything there, and it just kind of hurts. So yeah, I'm doing that. Just too. means I need to do more stretches. I don't know. <laughs> the thing that bothers me is if if he does this like overhand motion to get the sword out, uh, the other samurai guy approaching will clearly be able to see his hand sticking out from behind this tree. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there, there, nothing about this is going to be a surprise. <laughs> Come on, Mataza, get your shit together. <laughs> no, the you horse know, never... is Mataza, we decided. <laughs> oh, watch out, Mataza, this guy is going to get you. That's how he can make a second attack, because he knows it's coming. Ah, there it is. That's He's what it is. He's prepared for yep. it. Mataza, the horse, sees all. 
Uh, all right. Well, that's our card of the week. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can uh, reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram at Yampod. That's Y-A-M-P-O-D. You can email us at youactivatedmypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can leave us an iTunes review. Jimmy, we got a really great iTunes review uh, a little while ago that I, I, I just recently noticed. I think I sent you a screenshot of it. Oh, and I know the one you're thinking of. I'm not I'm not looking at it right now, so I don't remember the screen name that they used. It was some like filler screen name. Like it's, it's clearly somebody wanted to be left anonymous, but like needed a username there. Yeah. And all it said was, uh, yeah, dot, dot, dot. But then it was still a five-star review, which I just, I, <laughs> it just, it, we've gotten some really nice messages from listeners and it's so funny to me. And so like heartwarming to me to see people who are like, yeah, which yeah. sounds demeaning like, yeah, it's, yeah, which is kind of my opinion of the show. Uh, but then it's still a five-star review. So I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> we're good. We're all good. Uh, this reminds yeah, me so of in college um we used to rent movies a lot for a movie night uh in the dorms where mm-hmm. i lived and uh itunes reviews just in general if you go to like any popular movie and s- sort them by like most critical the like, most critical one star reviews that people write down on itunes are just hilarious to read i'm trying to find i had a text file with some of the best ones <laughs> Of course you did. Reviews are just a funny thing, but for podcasts, they do they do help. You know, they help kind of like get the word out or whatever. There's some iTunes staff person somewhere who sees like ah, people are talking about this, and you know, bumps it up to the the front pages. Um, if you like the show, yeah, go leave it a review uh, on on iTunes. Uh, recommend it to your friends, your enemies, your lovers, your haters. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, if you want to visit our website, we have a new domain name, which I'm very oh, excited about. Yeah, I, I bought it. You can use it now. Uh, it's it's no longer, it still goes to a, a page off of my personal website, but it's no longer my personal domain. You can find us online at heartofthe.cards. That's I... heart of the cards. Heart I'm amazed that we were cards. able to get this website. I thought for sure someone would have snapped it up. I I am genuinely surprised, but I'm I'm glad that we have it. So if you want to find us, uh, if you want to find this show, it's heartofthe.cards. If you want to find my personal website, it's welcome to flavor.town. Uh, if you want to find Jimmy, that's uh, jrbsfx.com. Uh, Jimmy, tell me about your other podcast. Uh, my other podcast is a D&D podcast called Dungeons Against Humanity. Uh, we play D&D and we never, whenever we need inspiration for a place or a new NPC or a monster, we draw a card from Cards Against Humanity. And it's made a bunch of really weird shit in the world. Like uh, my, <laughs> um, my a warlock has a familiar that looks like Hillary Clinton. So it's an, yeah. just an awful little... Uh, Quasit uh, imp that has like a pantsuit made out of flesh. <laughs> Do you uh, are, are, are are we gonna get to see the the imp's emails at any point? Uh, eventually, yes. I I do. I will occasionally use the familiar as a messenger, uh, and that will be her emails. Her emails, though, 
Her emails. That's uh, great. So that's uh, that's Dungeons just, Against Humanity. Yeah, D A H podcast. Uh, you can find it on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we just put up a new episode, so check it out. We're getting to. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we're nearing the end of the first major storyline. Cool. Uh, okay. I'm like, I think I'm like just two, got recently. I'm, I'm one or two episodes behind now, so I need to get caught up, but that's good to know. Okay. Well, shit's about to go down. So if that sounds like a podcast that would interest you, uh, please go check it out. Sweet. All right, folks. Well, we will be back next week to talk about episode 39. Uh, let me find the title for episode 39 real quick. Ah, the title for next week is really great. It's it's not just oh Yugi versus Pegasus Match the Money on Part 5. No, the title for next week is Fusion of Light and Darkness, Black Chaos Descends. Ooh, a fusion of is... light and darkness, just like the third weapon you get in Metroid Prime 2 Echoes. Once again. And there it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Well, until next time. You got me. This is really spooky. <laughs>